Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Untitled Nick Cage Show. Uh, we are celebrating Women in Horror Month this episode uh, with a review of Between Worlds. I'm going to give full credit to... <laughs> credit, blame. <laughs> to Rachel for selecting this one. <laughs> uh, I cannot tell people more before they listen to this review to watch this for themselves it's only 90 <laughs> minutes because you probably won't believe what we have to say <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time that i've ever got a text from you like before like we were planning to watch this and you're like have you watched it yet <laughs> no what do you know about this <laughs> <laughs> i was like rot row <laughs> and you know what i had an idea of what you meant and my idea was totally wrong <laughs> i was like it's gonna be problematic it's gonna be something you know like like it's gonna be troubling or or upsetting it's just wild it is just wild it is off the rails <laughs> from the start like there is no pause oh, we'll no, get no. into it we'll get into it we'll get, we'll into, get it. into it apparently he has some juicy background because i didn't look up anything because I've mentioned this before, but whenever you do backgrounds, like in any of your podcasts, like I love it. Like it's just a really fun narrative. I do. Like it's like my favorite part of some of the episodes. And so whenever I get treated to it, I am, I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this one was great because I mean, what I've discovered as we're, we're reviewing the older films is it's more the exception than the rule when there is a lot of background to dig into. Like, unless this is a movie that people are returning to and doing a retrospective on or revisiting, um, there's very little press. It's not the way it is today. Now, everything has a ton. So I read probably, no exaggeration, nine interviews with the director and one with Nick Cage about this movie. You sent me a screenshot or a type up. (laughs) Uh, part of one of those interviews i read it three times because yeah it was something i showed devin and she's like i bet that was something (laughs) it was it was was. yeah i mean some of these interviews made me feel bad about my interviewing skills some of them made me feel okay about (laughs) (laughs) interviewing people's hard okay like not no shade to these people if you're doing it you're putting yourself out there you know, good for you. Like, it's a skill you learn. You'll get better as you go. So, like, no shade. But as someone who has imposter syndrome, sometimes it feels good to be like, okay. <laughs> of course. I think this, I was just getting ready to ask you. It's only been a week since we recorded last. Yeah. yeah. Um, But is there anything new you'd like to share or able to share? I know you and Justin, half your lives are cloaked in mystery. <laughs> well, I mean, by the time this comes out, I think everything will be out and about. Yeah. cutting okay. back in yes. <laughs> for people who don't know when i edit this is always a lot of fun and hard because so much just gets chopped and deleted <laughs> into audacity liminal space to never be heard again but it's only been a week what has been new with you um well last time i saw you i was getting ready to go to the scream uh premiere not premiere mm-hmm. um press screening so I saw that, and I, I won't get into spoilers, obviously, because you haven't seen it yet, um, yep. and that's not necessarily what people are here for, but I did really enjoy it. Cool. Um, I think 
in some ways it moves the franchise ahead in ways that I think it really needed to. Um, I don't know. I thought I, I, it's one of my favorite of the franchise. I would say like it's up there with one and two for me, for me. So well, one and two are up there. The rest are all like somewhere in a miasma with yeah, three I guess just riding at the of, bottom. That's faint praise. I understand. But I actually mean it as the compliment, not as the, like, it's better than the rest of the crap. But you know, Kirby's <laughs> back in it. Kirby's great. I love Hayden Painted here. Um, and she's awesome in it. Gail's back. She's great. I will say, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but the thing that I really disliked about Scream 5 is I felt like she was super emo and had no good lines. The sass is back. With Gail? Mm -hmm. Good. That's the best part about her. She's like, she's a stone cold bitch. Like, she's awesome. Like, that's what Pete, that's what I loved about her when I was a kid. Like, especially in Scream 2. Like, yeah. Because she's no longer like mean. She's just like cutthroat and. Uh huh. The red hair. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty sassy in, in this hair. one. I love, oh I love Gail Weathers. Let's move forward. What is new with you, Laryl? <laughs> um, well, since we were last here, mm-hmm. did we play The Forest since we recorded last? I don't think we have. So, Sons Which of the Forest. Which makes me very sad because I really, really want to play with you guys. Yeah. And I haven't touched it since Justin and I beat it because we kind of put in. You guys already beat it? We beat it the first weekend. We beat it that Saturday afternoon. What? Do you want to play it again? Yes. Okay, cool. I, I I the just only kinda... reason I got it was to play with you guys because it's too oh, no, scary see... for me to play by myself. <laughs> I want to build stuff. I want to hang out. That's what I love the most about it. Um, but we have to play another fucking Souls game. So that's kind of like taken over. <laughs> so besides Sons of the Forest, which we need to get back together and start yes. a brand new game fresh and play. Yes. yes. Um. I watched all the Creed movies. I hadn't okay. seen them before. And I went to the okay. theater and watched them. Uh, the third mm-hmm. one. Uh, I think there's something wrong with me because I'm constantly rooting for the bad guy. <laughs> in, it, in it. But oh well. Uh, those were great. I watched Mission Impossible 2, which patrons <laughs> will hear about. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> I just, I'll just leave that there. Um, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Probably on the cutting room floor, but I'll say it again. I am on Eclipse, book three of the Twilight oh, Saga. I thought it was like a workout regimen or something. Eclipse. I was like, what's Eclipse? I want to get, I want to get buff. I want to get swole. Sixty <laughs> you said workout. Twilight, and I was like, oh hell no. <laughs> Look like a sparkly vampire. You can yeah. do it too. <laughs> oh Lord, Larry. Oh, this movie. Oh my gosh. Two, uh, yeah, two months we gotta in a row. Get to it. Yeah. I have one news article. Okay. It's not even that much. Um, okay. Apparently, Nick Cage was being interviewed about mm. wanting to return to the Marvel universe mm. and if he'd be interested in it. And he said, I don't need to be in the MCU. I'm Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, where's the lie? Would a part of me like to see him be Ghost Rider? Because we will be doing both those movies at some point. I liked Have Ghost Rider. Them? I saw the Have first you... one. Okay. But I was a child. <laughs> I'm I a... just going to say it now. I understand it's not a good movie, but I'm totally in the bag for the second one. I'm just saying it now. Okay. He turns into a giant like gravel mover. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't care. I know. I know people think it sucks. I like that movie. That's the hill I'll die on. <laughs> hey, you know what? People will have a giving you crap at Mission Impossible, and I have been having a good time. We'll, well talk there you about, go. We'll, we'll see about two. We'll see about two. <laughs> you want to talk about Between Worlds? I do. I do actually really want to talk about Between Worlds. I don't understand how it happened, but the universe given me a second chance. I need your help with my daughter. Uh, I think some of my opinions may surprise you, um, but I also did a deep dive on this because I'm just fascinated by this. The fact uh, it was written, produced, and directed by Maria Pulver. Is that right? Uh, Pulera. Pulera. Yes. Uh, Yes. When I saw that and then the story started to unravel, I was like, she must be reading similar books to what I imagine Devin reads. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) It's a little smutty. It's a little smutty. (laughs) All right. So as you alluded, Between Worlds Mm -hmm. is an erotic supernatural thriller from 2018 from writer-director Maria Pulera, starring, of course, Nick Cage, along with Franca Polenta. Uh, Penelope Mitchell, Hopper Penn, and Garrett Clayton. So first things first, like you said, it's Women in Whore Month. And so I want to take a few minutes to tell you a little bit about Maria. She is I an American. I really want to know more about her. <laughs> She's an interesting character, I have to say. I mean, and this is something, if you listen to Stream Queens, you already know, because we always do these backgrounds on on these women directors. And I don't think that you fight your way to making a film without being someone with a ton of gumption and determination and like a little bit of hubris, you know what I mean? And so they're the most fascinating people to me. They're, they're my superheroes. Like I'm blown away by these women. Um, Okay. So she is an American film writer, producer, and director who now lives in Spain. Growing up, she always wanted to be a filmmaker it was always her dream to make movies because she loved arts but a film in particular because it really brought all the elements of the arts together for her she attended film school in the 90s and began her career at that time and I, i as you will notice the 90s were a very long time ago And this is actually only her second film because as she says at that time making trying to make films in the 90s was just like bullshit it was almost impossible to get financing, especially as I, I assume, especially as a woman, um, especially right out of film school. Um, and so she wasn't really able to get much made. Uh, she says at the time, you know, she, there were a lot of people that wasted her time, essentially, like disingenuous people that like made promises but never came through. She did finally make her first film in 2016, which is a film called Falsely Accused, starring Rosanna Arquette, which, uh, like Between Worlds, she both wrote and directed. This is her second film, and next up, she actually has another uh, thriller on the way, another erotic thriller called El Matador, which is set in Spain. (laughs) And she described the film as being about an assassin and two hot females, which is an introspective neo-noir action movie. 
Which okay. suffice to say, after seeing this, oh, I'm going to see El Matador <laughs> when it comes out. That's a guarantee. <laughs> uh, she's a lifelong horror fan. Uh, she grew up on movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> As I mentioned, she not only directed this, but she wrote it as well. And she explained in an interview with Movable Feast that the film was actually inspired by aspects of her own life. Maria grew up in southern Wisconsin in what she called trucker culture. And like Franca, she herself is a single mom. From there, she went on to craft this unique love triangle at the heart of this film. Uh, and she says that she, this, in addition to her lifelong fascination with the supernatural, kind of blending those together to the point where she actually had a medium on set during the filming. I'm happy she did her research and had the proper people there to consult. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Let me scroll down. Okay. The, the other thing that inspired her in her writing was our boy, St. Nick himself. Because Really? Yep. She wrote this part with him in mind. She knew. And she landed him. Yeah. Yeah. She like had some connections where she worked with someone who had just worked with him on something else. And so she was able to kind of like work her way to him. But this is who Good she was her. imagining when she was writing the character of Joe and like how weird and quirky he is. <clears throat> yeah weird and quirky yes 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 um so she said that not only did he come in and fulfill her expectations but she took thing he took things to a whole new level so this is a quote from that movable feast interview i'm very much for that spontaneity and catching that energy because to me you get a very visceral performance from the actor and that is magic it's very true and i feel not having a rehearsed and very stick to the script style allowed me to get the performance out of the actor so i thrive on that and i found nicholas cage to be very inspiring and i love that unpredictability and it was up to the other actors to keep it on kilter so that the film would stay on the rails I took a lot of risks and I loved it. And throughout the movie, my producer's going, Maria, what are you doing? What is going on here? And I'm like, trust me, it's all under control. <laughs> yeah. So things definitely got pretty wild on set. In an interview with Fansighted, she talked about how the costuming was collaborative. And honestly, it's so weird. Okay. So again, um, let's see here. He brought this another quote. This one is, uh, like I said, from Fansighted. He brought nuances to the character. Like it was his idea to wear all the rings. I had the idea that characters of the characters being animals. He felt that his character was an alligator. Yes, and there's a gator true. inside of me here. And so <laughs> I got him a t-shirt with an alligator on it. <laughs> The cleanest thing in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> so in addition to her own life and her own experience growing up in trucker culture and her love of supernatural stuff, she was also very heavily inspired by the works of one David Lynch, who was, of course, the master of surreal horror and surreal, surreal film in general. Um, she was looking to things like Mulholland Drive and Blue Velvet. And then Cage, she says, took that and pushed it even deeper into the realm of the surreal, including a very memorable scene involving a host. <laughs> that was all Cage. That was his idea. She just put the camera on him and let him do his thing. <laughs> that was the moment. I wish you guys could see Larry's face. <laughs> He is beside himself. 
<laughs> that was legitimately the moment where I was like, okay. <laughs> that, that, that was, there's a lot that happened, a lot intimated, and even like a scene that kind of happens, but it was Nick Cage and the way he was spraying that girl down with the hose with the yep. mom watching yep. in slow motion. Yep. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, no, you should interrupt. This is a this is a dialogue. Please okay. ch- chime in. I'm I'm taking breaks to so you to be able to hop right in and say something because <laughs> now you can see my reaction to some of this stuff. Now you're actually <laughs> the camera. <laughs> All right. So n- the Lynch connection does not actually end there. As I when I was text, we were kind of live tweeting to each other, live texting um, as yeah. I was watching parts of it, and I was like, "Ooh, I love this Twin Peaksy kind of." you know, adjacent music turns out that that is because she also used Angelo Badalamenti, who is David Lynch's composer for some of the music in this movie. Really? Yes. Wow. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Now that hearing that and thinking back on it, absolutely yeah honestly those are the moments where i felt like this movie really hit its stride because it like gave you that sense of like this is not just bad and like not bad but it's not just like off kilter it's intentionally surreal in those moments yeah um yeah so in addition to choosing some interesting direction cage also wrote some of his own dialogue and that's not all he also wrote a memoir, which was made up of his own poetry, hence the memories by Nicolas Cage bit during the sex scene. Is that what that – I was literally trying to figure out what that book was. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. see the author, so I was looking at memories and trying to place – Nicolas Cage is the author of that. So, as I told you, I also read interviews by Cage himself, um, and there was – he spoke to Collider about this. And, of course, they asked, what the fuck is going on with this thing? And – like to us it may look like a weird one-off or an exercise in ego i don't know but because it's nick cage so much thought actually went into this This is a little bit of a long quote but it's so cage (laughs) so speaking with collider he talked about the inspiration for the memories by nicholas cage memoir well, I thought it was extremely funny. And anytime you can break the fourth wall, pushing the envelope in terms of traditional or or narrative is an experiment worthy of trying. I had never done anything like that. To read a book by the actor who's playing the character, I was inspired by the novels of Henry Miller, Tropic of Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn. I always thought that they were only not only sensual, but hilarious in terms of the braggadocio of Henry Miller, that he would go into great detail about his adventures in the sensual realm. And I wanted to bring a little bit of that kind of humor to teen worlds with that concept. I don't even have read the works of Mr. Henry Miller. Uh, have you? No. It sounds like books for my wife and not me, though. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you could appreciate some braggadocio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick Cage. God bless. I know. he is. This is why he is our national treasure. Like, Yes. <laughs> So one thing that was very clear in all of the interviews that I read with Maria was how much she respected not only Nick Cage, the person, but also Nick Cage, 
for his talent and his unpredictability and the way that he makes unique choices that bring the character to life like that was the magic for her was to watch him just like she's she says like you could watch him walk down a street and it would be fat like uh, fascinating because he just brings so much charisma and and life to everything he does and i that's totally true um but it turns out that the the uh respect was very mutual um Again, speaking with Collider, he they asked about working with her, and he said, Maria is unlike anyone I've ever met before. She's truly unique and a gifted personality who seemed to have a very clear vision of almost ev- of almost an almost raunchy yet heartfelt and comical approach to the way she wanted to use me and whatever my abilities were in the movie. I will say the one thing, we'll probably get this more when we describe it, is like, it did feel like those sex scenes were very like female driven mm. in a way because like there was no nudity like there was never like there was no boot there was no nipple it was always covered oh yeah i'm always looking out for the nip there was the the, the nips were not freed i'm pr- I, up oh wait they were i'm already lying because <laughs> in the flashback with his wife locked things out my friend <laughs> there was a lot of nudity in this room was anybody besides the wife with yeah the like, daughter? Full? I don't think we saw Franca Polenta, um nude, but we definitely saw the daughter. Like when she's modeling the like the first time he sees her naked in the mirror. You're right. Yeah. Whoa, Jesus! I forgot that entirely. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, nipple cop. I lost. I failed. <laughs> the prude, the prude police. I I have failed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the actual making of this film was actually relatively quick, which is interesting considering, you know, it took so many years for her to get her first film made, but, like, it's evidence of how much the industry has changed. She says that um, she began writing it in January of 2017, cast it in April, and shot it in September. The film was shot in 23 days in Alabama, um, just missing not one, not two, but three hurricanes that threatened to shut down the production. (laughs) Really? It's almost like the earth was saying something. <laughs> I will give her credit. She nailed trucker culture. <laughs> well, I mean, she grew up in trucker culture. I had a couple of uh, friends growing up whose dads were truckers. Mm-hmm. And that is, and I mean, my dad always would go to the local bar, and most of those guys were truckers on like stopping in on Friday after the drives. Nick Cage's character felt real. I just, I'll just leave it at that. Like, there you I, go. I thought it was well written <laughs> from my there own experience. There you go. She knows, her, she knows her trucker culture. She knows her trucker culture. All right. So the film is completed. I would like for you to guess where this film premiered. So you kind of intimated that I was going to be surprised. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say either TIFF, South by Southwest, or Venice. And throw all those out and say Sundance. Con. <laughs> it was her second movie? Yes. And it premiered at Con, where it was picked up for distribution by Saban, and who released it both theatrically and on VOD in December of 2018. The film it premiered at Con? At Con! <laughs> I kept going like, Really? And, like, I kept checking and finding more articles confirming. Did you get anybody's review of it walking out of it at con? Well, it has a Rotten Tomato score of 
So it did not get a lot of critical love. Although apparently it was a bit of a crowd pleaser at con. Like people, what's interesting is you read the reviews. They're not great. You read the interviews of like, like people who are not necessarily reviewing the film, but like talking about the experience of seeing it. And like, cause it also was at fantastic fest and like, they're like basically talking about the crowd, just being a crowd pleaser and people like, I would imagine it was probably fun to see in a crowd. Like we were talking about how we wished we had watched it together because I do think there is a, there is a communal experience that elevates this movie because it's just so wild could not agree with you more i i I do think like i I told you i think going forward like for some of these ones that we know are going to be gems (laughs) (laughs) that that we should watch it together just put the time aside and just sit down one night and watch it and i can see that i I can also see because i didn't go to sundance one year i know it's only one year but like i do know like there's a lot of really we'll say pretentious for lack of a better word films i can see walking out of something at con or going like two or three in a row like three and a half hour self-indulgent movies mm-hmm. and then going into it and then going a, a 90 minute cleanser yes yeah. and like with your friends and like having a good time and knowing you aren't like going to see something like super like crazy or something that's like hard subject matter and just watching yeah like you said the nick hayes love triangle Cool. Or I guess it's yeah four. The devil's there trying. Four? There's four people involved technically. Oh man. Oh lord. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is borne out, right? Because the yeah. well, I said the critical response was pretty negative at 32. percent The audience score for this movie. Do you want to guess what the audience score for this movie is? What was the critical response? 32. Score? 65. 81 percent. Shut the fuck. With 500 ratings. I have come around since where I was at when I finished it yesterday, but I'm I am not that high. Like I, I changed my own score on like my my movie ranking app that I have uh-huh. from the one I gave it after the end scene where I was just like, what the fuck have we done? I've come up, but not an eighty. Jesus Christ! Yeah, eighty one. <laughs> this I is why you don't trust Rotten Tomato. For your film scores, people. Either way, like I think if you collectively take those scores together, though, they actually are pretty illuminating. Yeah, like it's not like for critics, but there no. is a experience to be had that makes it. And an, I don't. I'm not going to say terrible things about this movie. I'm just going to warn you now. Like I, I'll, every criticism that you're going to put forward is correct. Like I accept it. But I was so, I don't, deeply entertained by how insane it was that I I came away feeling warm feelings for it. And it also didn't hurt to know that we were going to get to talk about it today. I'm like, this is exactly the kind of movie that I want to talk about some more. So you might be surprised. (laughs) Like, it's a bad movie. Yeah. But I did not. (laughs) So I watched half of The Room. Okay. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like, why are you wasting your time? I don't find this funny. I don't like, there's nothing about the room that like I I can wrap my head around. Yeah. This is off the rails. Yeah. There are some 
lines in this movie the subject matter and some of the sequences i think i mentioned it may have gotten cut because i i never know at this point in the recording what's getting cut or not the <laughs> marilyn manson song came on and it was one of my it's one of my favorite manson songs because i'm a yeah. i found him because of the covers yeah like, that's like the first kind of stuff i started listening to of his was the covers uh-huh and like that kicked in and i was like it fucking fits like yeah i mean yeah it works yeah, it... I, I actually don't have bad things to say about this movie. I have a lot of yeah. questions. The yeah, only, like it's negative... like that. I'm not king shaming. I'm just kink asking why. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. The only con I have is the CGI at the end, and I mean... where the final scene came from. Those are the only. Oh, two I things. found out what that is. I found okay. out what that is. I understand okay. the end of this movie now. I'm not saying I'm it's great. <laughs> but, but if you understand. It, I understand. But I was very confused. But in my research, I learned. <laughs> I sat there waiting for more. I watched the whole yeah. credits play out, hoping for, like, clarity. I mean, it's there. It's I Honestly, here's the problem. It's not that it's not understandable what it is. Like, when you hear what it is, you'll be like, oh, of course. But it just comes on the tail of something so bizarre that, like, your brain is not in a place to just accept straightforward information anymore. I just can't believe they left her mom there. Like, that that is, like, the one part. I mean, I think – okay, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So that yeah. that is – the last thing I will say is that if you guys are have not watched this yet, if you are curious about it, as you should be, yes, it is currently available to stream on Tubi which is how I watched it. You do not have to have a subscription service or the library. There are ways in which you can easily access this film. You're in another country, VPN, baby. Make it happen. Because I don't and... think you really want to spoil this one for you. There's no, you definitely don't. It is an experience yeah. and a half. And watch with friends. Like, watch yeah. with friends. I think it'd be yeah. more fun that way. And I will also yeah. say that Rachel and I have it unfairly, in my opinion, um, picked on for being snooty in our movies whenever i had to write and defend you one time and if, and if yeah. we can have a good time watching this yeah. anybody can have a good time watching this yeah yeah it's... but it's not a good movie <laughs> but it's not a good this is like your I mean, tanning good did i have a good time because i did were you laughing <laughs> were you like what is happening yeah oh yeah but I mean, knowing that it was Lynch inspired definitely makes sense to me. You know, I think that's a high bar, but it clarified things for me. The only person who reached, in my opinion, surpassed the high bar of Lynch inspired Ooh. was Psych. <laughs> okay. Are you talking about Twin Spires? Yes. <laughs> that movie Literally. is so great. The Cinnamon Festival. I want to go to a Cinnamon Festival. I do. I was hoping you would have one lined up when we came out there in October. I'll do what I can. <laughs> I, I thought you would have it. that ready for me. We go to Alcatraz, then head to the Cinnamon Festival and have our own little Twin Spires adventure. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I can do that would even come close. I mean, that, that's Pacific <laughs> Northwest. Maybe next year we should get You know, here's the thing. We could actually stay near where they shot Twin Peaks and go get a piece of apparently terrible cherry pie at the the cafe from the show. Matilda has been. We should do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but yes, Twin Spires. 
Yes. Or Dual Spires. Dual, Dual Spires. Spires. Dual Spires. The episode right from Psych. It is one of like, Psych does a lot of really good parody episodes and they do a lot yes. of stuff well. And I yeah, you, you will never like the vampire episode where Corey Feldman is the bartender. The musical. <sighs> I will never say like, there's nothing negative to say about Psych, but <laughs> when Dual Spires started going and I was like, what is happening? And then the music kicks in and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> this is what we're doing. And it is I mean, perfect. Yeah. It speaks to the iconicness of that particular style of music. I'm. I want to look and see who the um, composer was specifically for that theme song. Angelo Badalamenti. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's it's instantly evocative. Like it 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 has a very particular style, and it's not just the Twin Peaks. Like you can hear the, his influence in even in this film where it, it is yeah. not just a ripoff, but I was like, it's evoking that sense of, of Twin Peaks and David Lynch. He had a very clear, clear, clear musical point of view. RIP rest in power, Angelo. Oh, he's not alive. He died in 2022. I remember when like hearing about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's but at sad. least he got to do between worlds first. So he left us with the legacy is complete. <laughs> So how do you want right. to tap again? There's going to be spoilers going forward, but yes. just in case you have not got the point, yes, watch this. It's free yes. to watch. It's easy to find. <laughs> it's 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You have I listeners have wasted time doing worse. I'm sure people oh. have spent 90 minutes on TikTok. Easy. Oh yes, that is very true. All right, shit. We are doing a podcast. Let's get back into. It. We haven't even viewed the goddamn movie, and I'm getting hungry, and I have to go make sausage and peppers. <laughs> well, I think so. this part will be kind of clear. Plot. Okay. Whew. Okay. Um, <laughs> this movie starts out with a drowning sequence. Uh-huh. That's right. Yes, it does. It and does. And then hard <laughs> away <laughs> to dirty, grimy trucker Nick Cage. Yeah. Yeah. He is struggling with his money with a guy named Larry. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i feel so seen i feel like, so oh, this. Oh, yeah. yeah how young i was <laughs> he goes in and uh gets himself a hot dog and one second let me pull up i have quotes two of my favorite quotes from this movie were actually up front uh the first one i would like to share is ring it up ricardo <laughs> <laughs> and he's getting his hot dog for some reason, he doesn't leave after getting his hot dog. I mean, I am a connoisseur of a gas station hot dog. I will tell you right now, I oh, am. Oh, Lord. I am raccoon trash. I am a sucker for a gas station hot How dog. How many parasites is too many? <laughs> I'm just looking for the one that makes me skinny. That's all I'm looking for. Oh, is that my one? God. <laughs> Stop it. It's the one inspiring thing out of Best Friends Exorcism. Is one day I will find that. Just kidding. That's gross. Oh um, That's terrible. I've eaten a lot of gas station hot dogs, though. They're not wow, 50 really? cents That's for a hot bold. dog. Yeah, I don't cents. think any meat should be 50 cents. You, you pull the bun out, it's in like a single-serve plastic wrap, and you get the hot dog off the, Larry, the rollers. Love yourself. Love yourself. They're hot dogs. You can only go so far with it. <laughs> Anyways, so he's eating his hot dog and perusing the aisles, which I guess as you do, and he hears... Well, only what I can describe as sex noises coming from the bathroom. Yes. 
he busts into the bathroom and a woman is being choked in a way that did not appear sexy to me. No, it looked like murder. There was okay. murder happening. Again, since I am, you know, the resident prude of the zombie girl network, I guess I want to make sure. Uh, so he beats the crap out of the guy and the girl is kind of mad, but not like really. And mm-hmm. she's like, now my daughter's in danger. My daughter's still in a coma. Yes. Like to the man she just met in the bathroom. Of the truck. And so this she... is where I'm saying it's lynchy. Like, you know, like this is like Mulholland Drive, or you know, where she would just like get in his truck and go with him. Yeah. Or or dual spires where like they're sitting there and everybody just starts crying out of nowhere over their yeah. cinnamon pies. Just like, yeah. like what is happening? So he follows her outside and he grabs her by the shoulder. And another line I have for you here. Hey, Buster, the state troopers are coming. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. And that was when she says, my daughter's in a coma. We don't know how she made it to this part, but she needs a ride. Yes. We don't know why, but she needs a ride to the hospital. Right. So Nick Cage takes her. Well, I mean, he's a gentleman. And for some reason, he comes with her into the, the room where her daughter is has a bruised eye but is somehow dying from a car accident because the only injury we see on her is the bruised eye. There is no blood. There is no broken bones. There is no indication of anything besides that. No. But she is about to die from her bruised eye. Yeah. And so they get kicked out of the room and she tells Nick Cage to choke her. And he's like, are you sure? And he sees kind of questioning. But then he commits, like, full on, like, up against the wall, feet off the ground, choking. Yeah that's when we find out that the mom (laughs) is able to spirit walk when she is near death, goes into the room. The one kind of problematic part is that the black nurse is able to witness it because she is spiritual. Does she have to be like a Haitian voodoo priestess? Like, it is it is very problematic. It the is only very thing that could have not like, sort of. It's very problematic. The only the thing one that could have been worse of color in this movie is a is voodoo if, mama. If it was a Native American person with like the ceremonial headdress standing there and turning around and like looking, like that would yeah. have been the only thing more on the nose. <laughs> it was not great. It was like I'm going to say good things about this movie. That part is not great. Yes. <laughs> And then the mom sees who she believes to be her daughter's spirit and pulls it back into the body and saves her daughter from dying from the bruised eye. Yes. Uh, they are <laughs> celebratory. She asks Nick for a ride back to her house because her daughter's going to sit and recover in the hospital. Oh, no big she deal. She a ride back into the house. And there's like a flash scene in the middle of this where Nick Cage and Run Lola Run are having sex. Yeah. Which, by the way, thank you for placing that because that was killing me. Yeah. That and um, the Born Identity. Those are the two things I most know her from. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I was really wondering like, who the f- – and I, I don't want to spoil it because, like, again, I love you. Yeah. The way you give the background. So I didn't want to spoil anything for myself. Okay. Yes. They get back there. He's like, I got to get the mobile. Because remember, he's got money. He has got to pay Larry. He's in debt to Larry. 
<laughs> you don't mess with a Larry. When you owe Larry, he's coming for them cats. Larry has a he deadline. Cats. You hit the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> as, per- as the person who has overslept on days where I'm supposed to get you files, I can confirm Larry's don't play about deadlines. <laughs> Rachel, I need the files. <laughs> so, so she offers him a coffee. She starts drinking her Jack Daniels, and she's like, have some Jack Daniels. And he's like, well, I got to drive. I'm going to fall asleep. And she just keeps pouring. Uh, I think he has a sip of it, and then they, they do it on the couch in yeah. what can be described as dirty trucker sex. Yes. Although, like you said, the camera does focus very much on her pleasure. Like, she's having a good old time, which, it you know, kudos absolute, to Maria. It's actually it, – and it, it kind of happens throughout it. It's definitely yeah. – like, it is the Nick Cage thrusting – but it is very much like the like that is the sex that she was looking for. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's into it. Like that. What we were hearing was the sound of applause. So they kind of hit it off. Uh, daughter. Sex noises. <laughs> the the daughter comes home. Nick Cage is like, maybe I'll talk to you. Like I will say in touch. I gotta finish this trip. He goes. Larry's pissed off. Confiscates the truck, including all of his stuff inside of it. Yeah. Uh, he calls her. Uh, and says in the kind of telling the situation, she's like, "Come live with me." And so he does. Um, he's sleeping on the couch. They're definitely kind of starting a relationship. He's like, it definitely seems like they're hitting it off. Yeah, he seemed like he was falling for her, like having a real emotional connection with her for the first time since the loss of his wife and child. Oh yeah, that's right. Because we find out very early on that he lost his wife and child because it's like a, that, that, she asked about his family. That, that, that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we find that out. Then the first like, I mean, there's been red flags, but the first like red flag gets waved when they're talking about her daughter. Uh huh. And she's like talking about like yeah, my teenage daughter. She's like, just so you know, she's probably gonna come on to you because she knows I like you. Like, just so you know, she's, just, she's probably going to come on to you. So this is a pattern of behavior. <laughs> this so is like, troubling. This, this is, like, is Alabama. Okay, so it's like, you're letting this man stay in your house. Your daughter is recovering from near bruised eye death. <laughs> he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a vehicle. And you know nothing about him, but he's living in this situation with you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's called the, love, Larry. The da- the daughter is definitely acting weird. She's like yes. mentioning things to Cage yes. that like she shouldn't know about him. Yeah, like nicknames, references to the past. Yeah, uh, being flirty towards him. Uh, I'll say. And the she showed him the cake, <laughs> and then gave him a good old howdy, howdy Johnson. On the couch, like uh, one of your step sibling porns on Pornhub, just like that. Just if the only thing that was missing was Nick Cage's unit being inside a bag of popcorn, that would have completed the whole experience. Is this a, is this a thing, Larry? Oh, I think you're telling yes. on yourself right now because I don't know about this. <laughs> Justin, was, Justin was Larry back me the up. Prude, Larry the prude. I think we're done with that nickname. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. Nope, okay. nope, stays in, stays in. Okay. So, Hold on, I'm going to text Matilda real quick. Larry just outed himself about watching incest porn. 
on, on trying to get us back on the rails. Uh, the mom asked during the, the, the hand jibber scene, the mom asked the daughter to come help her cook. And she pulls out what looks like a cat. That's, did you notice the, the beast on the tray? It looked like a skinned cat, Rachel. It did not look like a, like a pig. Oh, like- yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was a rabbit. Wasn't it? I th- it looked terrifying. I mean, she's like a German lady. German because I thought it was a dream. Because then we go into the <laughs> sequence where Rachel mentioned earlier, where Nick Cage, a la, was it Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Is this with a girl in a red bikini with the water spraying on her? He's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's sitting out on her bike and Nick Cage has the hose between his legs and is just spraying her down while the yep. mom's watching from the window. And then it flashes to a scene of them doing it. And the, like, the mom wakes up from sleeping. Nick Cage is in there and he's doing it. And, and the daughter and him are doing it. Yeah. But they're not. And she wakes up again and it's not happening. And then they are doing it. Okay. I think I skipped the part <laughs> where the first time Nick Cage and the daughter are doing it. Because she could, she's wearing... was it even like knee-high socks. It was like red red stockings. foot socks she, no she had like stockings that had like foot foot paddy is that what that was i was very yeah. confused about what she was wearing yeah. but it is the revelation that when the mom went over to the other side <laughs> yeah you're really painting him like a villain this is actually a love story <laughs> <laughs> straight out of the mind of vc andrews uh yeah <laughs> exactly. no wonder i liked this movie <laughs> the, the, the... <laughs> So Nick Cage's dead wife, who died smoking in bed and killed their daughter the same way. That's correct, right? She died smoking in bed? Yes. Yeah, which, terrible. Um, Was hanging on to Nick Cage. And when the mom went in there, the mom grabbed the wrong soul. Yeah. So Nick Cage realizes that his wife, and they do it. And then... (laughs) There's more doing it mixed in with the mom dreaming about them doing it. The mom feels like something weird is going on. She goes and talks to the Haitian lady who is, who knows all the answers. Oh, um, Lord. Comes back. And uh, they're doing it again. Nick Cage comes out in his alligator shirt and leopard <laughs> banana hammock. And the mom's like, we're going to get out of here. We're going to fix this. And that's when the daughter slash Nick Cage's dead wife smacks her in the back of the head and leaves her sitting there. Yeah. They're going to go get some money and then go back to the family home, which somehow is still standing and not like Freddy Krueger's lair, which I kind of expected I mean, it to be since it burnt down. Right. I don't know. But, but first they got to go to her ex-boyfriend to rob him. Right. And so they go there and they shoot the friend. Nick Cage clubs the other dude in the head and they take the money. Yeah. Mom comes too. And who else does she go to for help? But the, no, wait, the drug he dealer shows ex-boyfriend up. shows up. Ex-boyfriend shows up. Yeah. Because he loves her, even though he got her, she was the one who got her injured in the bicycle accident with the bruised eye of death. <laughs> and... There's also like this weird, like, kind of subplot that's dropped where, like, they're intimating that that accident, like, something crazy happened, but they never yeah. come through with it. Right. Anywho. I mean, her bike is messed up. 
We know that. Yeah. They so I think maybe they were like racing or something. I don't know. I found don't know. destination style. I have no idea. But somehow the mom and the boyfriend know where Nick Cage's dead wife lived. Well, that's a really good point. I think at this point I had left logic so far behind that I was just like, yep, that's where they're going. Yes. And so they ambushed them. And the part that I don't understand with what happened, and maybe it's because like so much craziness happened. Yeah. Nick Cage is drunk, tries to explain that it's his wife, and then he just kind of disappears. Because he's not hit, he's like not involved in the shooting, he just like kind of crawls away. Yeah. The mom gets shot in the gut. Yeah. The daughter, as far as I know, never like left consciousness. The daughter was just She's going to shot her mom in the gut. Yeah. But the mom is able to pull the wife out. Yes. Put the daughter back in. Yes. And the wife is confronted by the dead child. Yes. Flashback to the human plane. They leave the mom to die on the couch. Yeah. That's messed up. With one gut shot to the bullet. Like, what, what, what? One bullet shot to the gut, which, again, yeah. I think that she could have pushed through if they had tried to save her. Yeah. Uh, boyfriend and daughter get into the car, drive away. And while they're doing that, Nick Cage found a <laughs> liter of gasoline, <laughs> pours it on himself, lights the match. And I am happy that when he lit the match, he caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, I like when he puts the cigarette out on himself. <laughs> he then lights his cigarette because being on fire wasn't enough. He lights the cigarette. Yeah. Takes a nice long drag uh, and then puts it out on himself. Yeah. I can't emphasize enough how bad the fire CGI was. I mean, to the point where it had to be intentional. It, it's, ab- no it's absurd. It wasn't. It's yeah, it's so absurd. So bad. It's so we, bad. I love a, it, though. We get a final cut of the family photo of Nick Cage's dead wife and daughter, which is, what, four layers? The background, the daughter, the mom, and Nick Cage just stack, 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 stack. Yeah. Something special. Uh, we get a, Is there any credits in between that and, like, the final scene? I don't think so. I think it cuts right to it. So let me cut to a, a child who we have never seen before, but they're... Mm-hmm. He's Joe. They call yeah. him Joe. Yeah. Um, and a drunk dad is abusing a mother in the kitchen. Yeah. Joe grabs a shotgun, puts it at him, says, oh, you finally aren't a coward. Cut the black gunshot screams. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. is a scene, scene of Joe as a child killing his abusive stepfather. your face <laughs> you're so confused so like but why was that at the end or there i mean i think it's meant to inform his character you know like this is who he is because like we meet him he like rushes in and like beats that guy almost to death because he thinks that woman's being abused and then he takes care of her and then he moves in with her like like i think you're meant to see him as someone who has always been kind of heroically violent. 
Because the dead wife does mention that you're always trying to fix people. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but that, I mean, like, it, it's one of, in part because it's just, like, so straightforward. Yeah. It would almost have been interesting to have that be back to back with the opening scene with the drowning. Yeah, like I agree. Those, those two people's origin stories, like, side by side. It's very strange that it comes at the end. Very yeah. strange. So, like, plot. if I had been doing the interviews, I would have been like, Maria talk to me about this final like coda like what is what is the significance of having this be the way that you close it is it that you want to talk about like his true nature like uh in a more fundamental way at the end of having seen him just like you know self-immolate i don't know i feel like it's very intentional i just don't totally understand it myself i am that's my guess though it's the it's the placement for me because it's like is he like reborn is he reborn that's that thing i was like is he reborn I mean, I wonder too, it's like, is that somebody else's soul in that body? Like, what is, what is, and I think we're trying too hard. I think it's, that's why I was saying, I think what, where we're getting confused is we're in this place of surreal, what the fuckery? And then there's just this very straightforward scene. And so we're trying to add all of this meaning to something that I think is more simple than that. But it's still confusing. I'm not saying it's not confusing, but I think that's what makes it confusing. It is honestly the only confusing part of the movie which is saying a lot considering what all happens in this movie because it starts like off the rails yeah and it stays there it stays there but like we follow the narrative like at first yeah. it's like what the fuck is happening yeah and then once you kind of get the way she's telling her story yeah and what what's happening it's not hard to follow mm-hmm so in that regard, the plot was fine. I think the possession thing is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. I wish they made the daughter a little bit older. Like that was a hangout for me. Like when they kept because yeah. they, they this they made it very clear she was a teen, and I was yeah. like, God, like, why can't she just be twenty? Like why can't you just let her be of drinking age? Like why can't we just do that? It's still fucked. Like can't we just yeah. make her a little older? Yeah. Um. But no, like that part of it, like it's, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, I think it's yeah. kind of interesting uh, if I was the mom and I had any inclination that, that kind of weird shit was even like on the table. Joe, the trucker man is so fucking gone up the goddamn yeah. road. Like, yeah. with yeah. like buckshot in his Fair. ass. Like, like, there's, like sure. there, I don't care that he like helped you save your daughter or gave you a good choke or a good lay afterwards. Like like fucking gone um especially because nick cage is a weird dude yeah he's very odd he's like he's a dubious prize that they're fighting over but i will say you know the female characters have a ton of agency in this movie i don't always agree with their motivations i don't always agree with their desires but they have a very clear um and like they're making choices and they are doing it without apology and they are doing it aggressively and they are not subject to the whim of Nick Cage, who is very much at the subject of their whim. So there's some like interesting depictions of women in here. And I think this comes to this place of like, is something a quote unquote good depiction of women only if their desires are in line with like our chosen morality do or do these women particularly the daughter kind of fall in line with like an anti-hero to some degree i don't know there's interesting politics in this 
And that's what I was thinking too. Is like Nick Cage, like yes, he is like your central character, but he's not your main character. The main character is probably the mom. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is actually a Frank Polenta movie, and just Nick Cage. I mean, he just eats eats the scenery. Yes. And for me personally, especially as like I think people I talked about this a little last time in the last episode, but like I've been like kind of diving into like feminist and like queer like nonfiction and literature and kind of learning more about it. Uh-huh. I think it's fine to have messy women character. We have plenty of messy men, yes. and I think the interesting about this is like none of the women are. Like, all the women are the ones in power. The guys are kind of, like, subject to what is happening around them. It's not saying yeah. that the power that they wield is good or is like good or bad. I might make a comment on that. But it's, like, it's definitely, like, the drug dealer boyfriend, Nick Cage. Like, everybody is kind of reacting to what is being allowed of them by the women characters. Yeah. And I found that, yeah. like, super cool. And I like how, like, in all the sexual encounters that Nick Cage has, <laughs> there's a lot I think there are nine sex scenes and she did this very intentionally because she felt that the sex scenes were like raising the like the tension of the film. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> and I, I really thought that it was interesting how there are a multitude of different sex scenes with a lot of different like motivations behind them and things yeah. like tying into it. But yeah. every single one, the woman is the one driving it. Yeah. I mean, and, it, there there is no him seducing anyone. He is seduced by everyone. And every sex scene is actually, I mean, I guess maybe not the water scene. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> actual sex scenes are all initiated by the women. And driven by them, too. Like, the one where he's mm-hmm. asked to read the memories poem. And, like, there is just, like, I just don't know if I've seen a movie that has like that much sex in it that's like so driven by female sexuality and by like yeah male desire and yeah. i i thought it was cool and i don't think you would get that from a non-female director like i think that having that perspective behind the lens yeah like really helped drive that um the plot's weird i mean it's messy it's your yeah. grandma soaps like it's your smut it's i guess for outing myself it's your incest porn on Pornhub. it's like it's like that kind of thing. <laughs> and, you're not gonna be able to cut around <laughs> this much longer <laughs> and like it's not like the kind of movie i seek out yeah. But it's not a bad plot. I think the idea that his wife never left him is kind of romantic in a way. And that she found a way in. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of a mess. <laughs> she is kind of a mess. And it definitely seemed, especially in that last scene that she was trying to, like, ditch her daughter. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I'm the guy who, like, always kind of has a soft spot for Heathcliff. And that kind of, like, yeah unhealthy love, you know? like. I mean, you are reading Twilight. <laughs> My choice. <laughs> you are consenting to Twilight. <laughs> I, I honestly, like, I only do audiobooks of books I've already read. So like, I was like, I ran out of like the staples. I was like, what's next? And I was like, well, I never did do the Edward version of Twilight. I can. You know, I could have recommended something. There are a lot of good books out there, friend. There's a <laughs> lot. Because of, of my brain, once I start, I have to finish. Yeah. I only have like 25 more hours left altogether of Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. Dude, I'm, I'm, oh, 
nothing makes me madder than wasting my time on something. <laughs> it's so precious. It's so fleeting. I can't imagine using giving one more second to Bella. Well, I guess I'm, I'm listening to it before bed. It's my go to bed book. It's like my bedtime story. So 25 days of this? Is that what you're saying? Another my month of your life will be consumed. So Listen to The Power with me. Let's talk about that. That's a much more interesting young adult fiction novel. Oh, Plot, world. though, for this movie. It was good. Okay. It, 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 is, it is good in the, like, trashy kind of way. In your soap mm-hmm. opera kind of way. In your yeah. Gossip Girl. In yeah. your drama shit that you don't want any part of. But, man, it's fun to watch from afar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she's definitely exploring some stuff about grief and, and nostalgia and, like, the inability to let the past go and, like, how that can be a trap. And there's some there there for sure thematically. Um, but it is, like, couched in some interesting melodrama. I, I wish she had leaned even more in the sur- into the surreal direction because I think in those moments where we're getting that score where things are incredibly strange is where this movie really hits its stride like i think her instincts were right and i would have loved to i mean you know there's just some wild shit on the cutting room floor and i i kind of wish we could see a little bit more of that but i think overall yeah i mean it's a cohesive plot it's certainly it's a it's a basic plot that that is like it's like the ritz cracker right you know what i mean where you put the delicious stuff on top which is the performances which is you know the impact of what you're seeing so yeah i think the plot is totally fine and that's a perfect segue from performances into acting we can save our boy for oh, the end nicholas <laughs> uh, what did you think of the mom and the daughter so um their performances were not as strong for me as nicholas cage's for sure um, which is kind of a bummer just because I know that Frank Polenta is a really talented actor. But I think, honestly, she got the role of just sort of the straight man in it. You know, she didn't get to do as much. So I think yeah. she's fine. Um, but we never, I mean, I guess maybe right at the end when things are reaching a fevered pitch. But for the most part, she's so even keel that that makes her like a good person. But in a movie where everything else is at a 10. I 100% agree. And again, the hardest part is because she was so even keeled and because Mm -hmm. of that, it was kind of the way for them to like allow Nick Cage and the daughter's relationship to bloom and get going without her like realizing. Yeah. But like she mentioned. Yeah. It serves a purpose. Yeah. yeah, But she mentions upfront that her daughter (laughs) has a habit of hitting on the man that she brings around yeah and so like the hand job is seen on the couch and just like the so the hose sequence outside of the kitchen window it's a lot there's just so (laughs) like i think to myself if i was in that position at what point would he be gone and it would be after the courtesy lay for him saving my daughter's life like it's like thank you I mean, for I your think service she's lonely yeah yeah maybe i, I okay know. sorry my realtor just sent me a message um no, you're good um, i can even tell i want to start a trend okay remember the rick roll i want a nick roll 
And I want it to be that scene with the host. <laughs> we got to trick people into clicking on that video. How do we start the Nick roll? <laughs> it is so long, too. <laughs> it's so weird. It goes on for so long. And I think yeah. that's when Manson's playing. Yeah. Then that montage, which we aren't sure if it's a dream or if it's not a dream, because there's so much, like, fucking weird shit happening. Again, yeah. the mom should have said, I don't know. Uh, let's talk about the daughter's performance. Okay. I mean, it is, it is, if you enjoy camp, I feel like she definitely is bringing the camp. I think, I think what happens is you get on set with Nick Cage and it's like being on the, I'm going to use a semi sports metaphor. I don't know. if this I is love sports. it. It's like being like on a NASCAR track with like, Oh NASCAR shit. You picked driver. the wrong sport for me. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I think that there is a particular skill set that he has and everybody tries to keep up. Yes. And it is easy if you do not have those reflexes to crash. Um, Color out of space for me is one of those. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, But I applaud that she takes big swings. Yeah. Like she really like lays it on thick. And I think that there was that that is the vibe of the set. Like, I think that was what they were trying to achieve. I just think he has a particular it factor that makes some of the stuff that is absurd click at the Bonnie and Clyde kind of sequence at the end. I think it's where it kind of what well, you're talking about shines the most when she first seduces him in the red stockings yeah i felt like she was there with him yeah in yeah, that yeah, scene yeah. in particular i felt like she was like like they were actually meeting each other at the yeah, yeah, yeah. of it all yeah yeah um but no, I, I think that's a perfectly accurate assessment mm-hmm. i mean it's it by no means bad like we're being no. this is through a critical lens so we're being like you know very harsh None of it took me out of it. None of nope. it was like detrimental to my viewing experience. Like I was like, when it was bad, it was good. When it was good, it was great. You know what I mean? Like it, in in the way that the best of the absurdist stuff you watch is. Like it it it. I don't know. Like it strums your neurons in a particular way. You're just like, what the fuck am I watching this? And then it just goes for it. And it's just so bold in how hard it goes for it. I remember I had sent you a photo of a shot I hate at the beginning of this movie where it's like a pan over a uh, fat guy's butt. And it's just like egregious and unkind and ungratuitous and unnecessary. And you're like, oh my God, I forgot about that because it really goes there. And you're not wrong yeah. <laughs> like it does go hard it goes it goes in places i was not expecting and that delighted me that unexpected and it's also the kind of movie that i in, in look forward to inflicting upon others <laughs> because i know i'm gonna have these conversations again when they dive in <laughs> yes. when i saw that eddie had, had watched it already with us i was like oh yeah. eddie Oh, Eddie. <laughs> Bless your heart. I can't talk to you yet. I, the first person I talk to has to be Rachel. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he'll drop his comments in the in the Discord because, like, I feel like we, I don't know, I wouldn't call it trauma bonding, but it's, like, a version of that where, like, yes. there's people who have seen this movie and people who haven't. And if you haven't seen it, you don't get it. 
Especially based do, on the cover, because yeah. it looks like like a mystery in the woods kind of thing. Because Miles yeah. like, Smoky Mountains or whatever, and like Con Air looking Nick Cage and. Oh no 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 <sighs> no no no! So the acting of a one Nicholas Cage. Yeah. This is full bore, pedal to the metal. Yeah. Nick Cage giving it yeah. the actor like yeah off like off his shit kind of thing yeah he's doing the vowel acting where he's just like really (gasps) putting the emphasis on the vowels and i think it's the first one that we've gotten in the modern era Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have some of the younger versions of it but this is like yeah because even the rock which we did for my birthday many many moons ago (laughs) even that one was more grounded limited yeah Mm -hmm. we had a couple scenes but very constrained yeah this is like the meme of nick cage like when you think of like the jokes and like the haha of it or like we talk about uh the um unbearable weight which by the Mm -hmm. way is all over tiktok I know you are on there. But I'm he, like so excited. I hope people go back and watch that movie. I hope that, that's like, I wanted to get that running up that hill bump. You know what I mean? Pedro like Pascal might be the, the catalyst to get it there. See, we knew. We already been knowing. Okay. Like we were there from, we saw it opening weekend. We already yes, been knowing. We were there. But, but the first thing I thought with those memes, which are by the way, are hilarious. Oh God, so I've funny. watched some compilations of them and they're hilarious. Um, so I love funny. when they get like meta and it's just like my husband asking me to stop sending him these memes, me sending these memes. <laughs> but like, I'm hoping that will translate into people because it's such a joy of a movie. It really is. And like Pedro Pascal is just like, so good. I, I hope, I hope that I, go into the next realm before anything negative comes out about him because i don't know if i could that's one that would really shock me i mean i guess never put it past anyone i mean we just never ever ever know yep but that one would really shock me if you turned that one would hurt Mm -hmm. he's such a like incredible supporter of of the lgbtq plus community he's so supportive of his sister like, he feels like a kind soul. He's always, like, giving of like credit to other people. Like, I heard him talk about Sarah Michelle Gellar on Buffy and stuff. And just, yeah. like, how, like, gracious he is. He seems like a pure soul. So that one would, oof, that one would be brutal. Let's not even, let's not even put that into the universe. <laughs> I agree. Nick Cage <laughs> yeah. is full bore, yeah. nutso Cage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's good. And it works. And there are some lines, which I'm sure we'll touch on. I actually brought two. Yes, and... you almost you almost busted my one because I okay. know which one. I know you're number one, and I was like, no, no, no. You deserve it. You love it. It's yours. <laughs> I, I, I want to get a, a clip of him walking down the hallway saying that and just, like, have it to, like, drop places. I need to all figure right. out how to make saying what? Let's. I mean, first of all, we got to turn it into a gif. Done. Yes. But um, why don't you lay it on us? What's your favorite Nick Cage uh, line? Okay, so I have two. Okay. Um, they pull up. I, I took it. Um, I was actually taking notes while I was watching it, so I could keep the quotes. Uh, I'll, I'll give the obvious one. Then you can give yours because I have my backup. But it's he's walking down the hallway, and she offers him a beer, and he goes, "Does the Tin Man have a sheet metal cock?" <laughs> and she's with like, that. Oh, you 
with that kind of energy too, just like full jolly, swinging his shoulders around. Oh boy, there is zero percent <laughs> chance that was on the page. That is absolutely a Nick Cage improv, Does right? The tin Man have a sheet metal cock. I don't even like. What? Like I don't even like. I mean, you get it. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> what was yours? Mine was like really early in the movie where I was like, oh, this was because it was the bellwether line for me where I was like, oh, okay, this is this kind of movie. This is this is this kind. This is this iteration of Nick Cage we're getting, which is where he says, hold on, my wife and daughter. Ha ha, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> now like, all you gave was perfect okay. she's like ha ha they're dead <laughs> <laughs> the other backup quote I have because I always feel bad because I, I, I want to make sure you have it too but was uh, the daughter is trying to reveal that she is his wife Yeah, and she's kind of like talking some shit and he goes you have some respect for my wife or I'll spank in India oh my god i mean to be honest there's probably 30 lines in this movie there is so like i said i have the ring it up ricardo and the hey buster the state troopers are coming that's within the first three minutes (laughs) yeah yeah i mean and mine was too like this this thing i mean i was just like well i guess i'm done (laughs) yeah that's what i was like too and then the tin metal cock and then the have some respect for my wife or i'll spank it into you Jesus Christ. Oh God. I know. I know. This movie is <coughs> absurd, but I I don't know. I was entertained. I was directing. Outside um, of the two things we kind of talked about in plot, the immolation scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the placement more so than anything else of the past version of Joe at the end, for a second directorial movie and trying to imitate someone like Lynch. Yeah. I thought it was good. And like I mentioned earlier in the plot, I thought it was refreshing to have a feminine take on that kind of situation. And Mm -hmm. because you normally see this kind of movie done through like a male lens. And I was happy to see it not done that way. And I think, if it had been, if Nick Cage had been the aggressor or if Nick Cage's character had been like the focus of this, I think it wouldn't have worked. And so I right. give a lot of credit to her because, I mean, she wrote it, she produced it, she directed it. She obviously yeah. had a passion for this story and I think that comes through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she's fairly limited in terms of location. Like the entire film, almost in its entirety, um, with the exception of a couple of short scenes in like a car or a parking lot is all really inside this house. Yep. And so I think that's fairly limiting. So there isn't like a ton of stylistic choices in this, which is I would love to see more of. Yeah. But at the same time, it also is not so it's not flat, you know, it's not staged like a play or anything like that like she does Correct. make some choices i mean most of them are things i'm like they're it's hard to talk about because they're like there's so much what the fuckery happening and like i'm like the scene with the hand job and the way that the that's blocked with the mom not being able to see it is good <laughs> but it's a weird thing 
to talk about. With the weird cat corpse on the fucking cooking tray. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I think she does make some interesting visual choices. Um, And I don't know. Yeah. I think it's perfectly fine. I think For it's, a it, second directorial effort. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, it premiered at Cannes. It premiered at Cannes. And I also think, like... Wait, I don't know, like directing Nick Cage on your second time out is like directing a fire hose. That she wrangled it at all is incredible. <laughs> Especially Cage at like that level where you told him yeah. you wrote this role for him and gave him a little bit of carte blanche. Like you gave him a little yeah. bit of a blank check to kind of go. Oh, yeah. 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 You like he says he's an alligator, but it's like more like having a cage tiger. <laughs> all right. So, question. Yes. Who would you recommend this to? What Cage fan gets your recommendation? So, after talking to you and thinking about it, I actually have to change mine. Because I was going to do oh. The Masochist, because copying off of yours. <laughs> but, like, it's not true. It's... I'm not sure. Do you have yours? Mine is the Nick Cage eroticist. <laughs> <laughs> because like if you ever wanted to see a nick cage sex scene ooh, baby does this thing deliver there are almost double digits of sex <laughs> i think i would recommend this to the twin peak cage fan okay because i think as we discussed it and you actually laid some of the background, like kind of talking about it more, like how this would be most enjoyed. I think that plays a big part in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. What I'm curious about is where this thing is going to land. I was trying to find the ranking doc cause I'm trying to figure out where to put it. So I have shared it with you. So, you know, it's the ultimate Nick cage viewing order is the name of the Google sheet. On my drive. And I can reshare it if I need to. Let me see if I can find it. Ultimate. Ah, there it is. Boom. Okay. Okay. Between worlds. Where is it going to go? Hmm. I think I know. I think I know too. I think I know too. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Click on the number so I can see it. Where you think it will go in three, two, one. Okay, so does that mean, are you saying above or below that number? I would place it in between Family Man and Racing with the Moon. Whoa! You know what, though? I guess you're right, because there's not a ton of Nick. He's so good in it. I was thinking between Racing in the Moon and Prisoners of Ghostland. But you know what? He is in it quite a bit more. And the thing, too, is I'm sitting, like, when we're doing this, a big part of it for me is, like, what is the likelihood I would go back and rewatch this Cage movie? Oh, that's a yeah, that's an interesting factor. So there's like there's a lot of factors go into it, like how much is he in it, what's the movie like, and all that. But like, if I'm like looking at, because like Family Man and Up are movies that like I will retouch at any point in time. Yeah, I think this Between Worlds is a movie I would more likely go back to as opposed to a movie I would not go back to. So that's okay. why I would put it above Racing with the Moon. All right. You sold me. Above Racing in the Moon, it is. Okay. 
See, these cool, are still cool. we're still in the 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 safe ones. <laughs> Things are going to get spicy later. <laughs> oh, Rachel, I am not ready for when we have to. When I have when to. When I'm like put face off at number ten, <laughs> you're going to be like, ah. <laughs> like, unless that movie is drastically like not what I think it is, and I really doubt it because I've watched it so many times. Well, you just watched Mission Impossible too. <laughs> and I am terrified now. <laughs> we will say say that and so to quickly run through our rankings starting from the bottom Mm -hmm. up the worst is cotton club followed by boy in blue best of times prisoners of ghostland racing with the moon now between worlds the family man birdie valley girl unbearable weight of massive talent and our two we kind of think are going to be rushmore movies are the rock and then the pig sitting on top with yep Oh, the pig was so good. The pig was so much better than I had any idea it would be. And I know, it was so good. It had so many feelings. I had someone message me, actually. It's kind of funny. And they're like, oh, I was thinking about watching Pig. Is it, because you know they do the Nick Cage podcast. Is like, yeah. is it like as goofy as it sounds? Like, no. <laughs> the and he's like, and like I was saying, kind of talking to him, I was like, that's not what this is, man. Like, yeah. this is kind of brutal. And it's yeah. like it's a it's lot. good. It's good, but it's a lot. Is like, it well, ain't the John Wick with the pig? You think it is? And that's why I told him. I was like, "That is, you're not getting that with this." It's like, okay, thank you. Remind me, have you seen John Wick? I saw the first one and I fell asleep halfway through it. But you're Devin's... lucky there are so many Mission Impossible movies to get through because. <laughs> But that might trailer, be next my friend Devin saw the trailer for four and she said she would like to watch it because she likes those brutal action movies you should give it another shot because the reason why i didn't rad. watch it at first was because of the puppy yeah i don't watch that part i, I so skipped that, past that part so that was i've never seen that watch part. it oh really okay because no, that was why I, I didn't watch it at first i just fast forward okay <laughs> like when they're there in the house like fast forward I will say it's a hell of a motivating factor, though, because I'm sure as a cat parent that yeah. if someone were to do oh, something yeah. terrible, it would be Murder. full commando. I would go down into my assassin basement with a sledgehammer, and I would break open my basement cache of guns and monies, and I would murder the Russian mafia. <laughs> hey, if you called me, I would come help. No questions asked. You put an right? animal in danger, and it's like, all right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I will think, go full hills of ohio <laughs> ready i mean to go. i think we'll we'll dev do for you what randy does for me where like i like he'll be like okay don't look and he'll like mute it and watch and then be like okay now you can look she would especially because i think she watched that trailer for four and she's like we should watch that and i was like I, it's honestly so good larry it's so good okay. it's very different than mission impossible but in it's like the action scenes are super super like acrobatic and like the gun I mean, gun violence is terrible in real life but the gun violence in the movies is like so stylist and rad and like oh it's just I from the trailer it, it looked more like Boz Lerman's Romeo plus Juliet than anything else and I stand to this day that is the best gunplay I've ever seen in a movie yeah I yes I could see that because there is like a an almost like like I said, like operatic nature to it. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of, did you ever see the Christian Bale movie Equilibrium with Gunkata? Oh my God. So long ago. I kind of forgot about that It reminds me movie. a bit of that. Okay. There's okay. a part in, I think John Wick 
two where he kills someone with a library book that's pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> i mean baba yaga don't play okay <laughs> he's the baba yaga that well that's what they call him because he was like before he retired he was such an effective like assassin that they like feared him coming in the night so they called him baba yaga interesting Okay. It's like the world building is so rad. Like when you get to the continental and stuff and they're going to do a spinoff with uh, uh, the ballerina with um, what's her name? Darmus. Anna Darmus? Anna Darmus is going to be. She's in it? Well, she's going to be in the spinoff series, the ballerina. I have a crush on her. Well, then I guess you better watch John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh that's all right it. sorry that's, totally good. that's our review of between worlds and we'll head on yes. to the closing yes 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 For those of you at home, did you watch this? We hope you did. We'd love to know what you think of it. Um, are we insane? Probably. I, I accept it. <laughs> but I feel how I feel. You can email us at uh, nickcage at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Let us know what you think. Um, and maybe your thoughts on maybe what we should tackle in the near future. I mean, we're kind of just going through it in order with little deviations. But if there's a reason you wanted to make a case for speeding something up, you really want to hear us talk about it, whatever the case may be, you can always drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. So that yeah. just leaves our plan for the next episode. Larry, what are we watching? Yes, and it's actually kind of fun because it's going to be a two-parter in a lot of ways. Yeah. So next month, we are reviewing Vampire's Kiss. I have not seen it. Have you? Me neither. No. Cool. No, I mean, I've seen the gifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have used the gifts, yes. but I have never seen them in context. <laughs> so I, I did. A, I looked a little bit when I actually got from the library just to make sure it was the right movie. And apparently, he is like a, a finance guy. And he has okay. like a one night stand and the girl bites his neck and he thinks he's turning into a vampire. Okay. Okay. So we're going to do this like a twofer with American Psycho. <laughs> and we are watching that. And then the following month, Redfield yeah. will be out. So we're going to have some vampire love on the podcast, which I will never say no to because yeah. I am a sucker. As you know, I'm doing Twilight. I will take any vampires I can get. Yeah, I think I saw the non-red band initially of that, and then when I saw Cocaine Bear, one of the trailers before it was the red was the red band of Ruinfeld, and I was like, oh, it, oh yeah, my, my interest level just leveled way the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's because it, the first trailer, actually, the trailer I saw was Red Band One, and it's like violent with that capital V. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Like, I thought it was going to be more like Warm Bodies, Nicholas Colt. You know, like. I want to see, you know. Which I will have to watch to get the the menu Nicholas Holt out of my mouth. Wait, wait, wait. You've never seen Warm Bodies? 
many a long time ago. Oh, okay. I was like, that movie is freaking for you, dude. It's like yeah. a ro- sweet romance with zombies. Like that is that is a Larry movie <laughs> if I've ever heard of one. Because All him, soft-hearted Larry. Because him in the menu was Yeah. He was great. He was great, I mean, but man, you yeah, fucking terrible. Yes. Yeah. I think we I had think we're gonna want to love of, him again. I had a little bit of that experience in Cocaine Bear because um Aaron, uh what's his name? All Aaron Alden something. The drug dealer with the dead wife. Yes. Yes. I had just seen him in Fair Play at South by, and he is the biggest douchebag. Like the worst. I mean, he's fucking fantastic in that movie. But it was weird to be like by the end I was charmed and I loved him, but I was having cognitive dissonance around i him. love the bromance between him and o'shea jackson Th- and that like, is my favorite plot line of the movie and like the and then when they question. get like the the like tweaker kid that's like a <laughs> national park tough like that is actually my favorite subplot of the whole entire movie is there <laughs> like like walking through the forest and like man crying <laughs> like that is the best <laughs> when he asked in that 20th question i know so many feels he's like i knew all Cocaine Bear was good. Liz Banks did a, an amazing job with it. Fucking off it, the wall kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Cage ain't the only one that can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Patrons, stick around after the music and we'll head on in to the post credits. Bye, everybody. Okay, we've been going for a while. I doubt this episode is going to be two hours at this point for listeners. <laughs> no, no, but we can just do like a quick little fifteen-minute joint. Like I think so we can give have... rage for time and then just. I don't even have do anything. Our... I've just been so happy to be doing this. I don't even like. I haven't had it. I know. Like, there's I mean, angry stuff. I don't stuff. think it's required. I, I no. think it's like it's. I think it's a platform for when we need it, but we can also just like keep it positive. I agree. All right, I'm setting a little stop. No, stop. Yeah, stopwatch so I can keep track of the time and then to make sure we get enough for I, the Because I, I know you need to cook and stuff, so I I don't yeah. want to hold you back. I'm making polenta and sausage and peppers. Oh, awesome. Devin and I were I've going never to made cook. it before, so we'll see. I'm doing it in the air fryer. We'll see. We were gonna <laughs> we were gonna cook tonight, but